Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf and Simon. And we're on and we are here. Alf Artiaga, Chris Kaufman, no Simon Clancy because he's on his way to the game. Why? Nobody knows. Will he make I, it? I, Will we I have cannot. a third? Uh, you know, I think we should start the, uh, you know, of course, I'm going to get into all our sponsors right here. And then we're going to get into our regular flow of our preview of this wild card game in Kansas City. But we got to start with this question. Are we going to have a third co-host by Sunday? I, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure why he's going. Uh, this strikes me as 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 reckless. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I, it's it's supposed to be negative thirty wind chill. Yes, negative thirty, and he's going and I, after the game and driving through this shit to Dallas. Oof, oof, <laughs> what a well. That's a, that's a, that is a, that is a uh, that is a decision on his part right there. Yeah, like I get on a plane, you know, but Jesus Christ. You know, I thought it was I, I thought it was ominous when I get on with uh, with uh, Sterling on KC Sports Radio eight ten. A little plug mm-hmm. for them. Uh, you're gonna hear me, and it's gonna sound awesome. Like if this was a live show, because I think he goes on the air at eight o'clock. But we recorded that, so I want to sound like if I'm really <laughs> really informed. If he edited me out because we did like twenty minutes together, but yeah. I thought it was ominous when he was telling me, "Tell your buddy." That he has to have a piece of cardboard with him, and I'm thinking to myself, "Why the fuck does he need a piece of cardboard?" He's like, you got to put it under your rubber soles because sometimes when you rubber soles touch concrete and then you move, you rip your rubber soles off. And I'm like, this is not any place I would want to be in. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> please. Okay. I'll, I will watch. Boy, my house is going to be relatively warm and I'm going to be watching it on TV. <laughs> it's going to look miserable, but I'm going to be on there fine. You know, and this guy, and this guy, look, they cover the Kansas City Chiefs, right? I don't know if you've noticed the tickets for this game in Kansas City are cheaper than Dolphin preseason tickets were this year. You could get. Can, you, can, can we be surprised, though? I mean, that's damn. Who the hell wants to go out? Like, I'm thinking we're not going to get a very big crowd, right? Like this. Like, there's not going to be much of a home field advantage. Of course, you know, the weather is, is not right. Thing. But as far as crowd noise and the operation, you know, we're going to get into it. And, and I guess we are. But I guess that I guess that's my first question. Like, this weather is going to neutralize things considerably because there's not going to be any crowd. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I can't imagine. Although, I guess it really also depends on um, what the weather itself is like. Uh, first off, I'm not going to buy that. There's not going to be crowd noise. I think there's going to be a crowd. I think that the people that show up to these games tend to be crazier than normal. Uh, yes. so they're probably, they're probably going to be worse going, crowd. In other words. Yeah. They're probably going to be a little bit louder than, you know, per person than and lubricated you, you might, you know, yeah. Normally expect. I don't know about that just because like who can who can hold a drink in that weather? Like who can <laughs> who can sit there who can sit there in the stands drinking like even beforehand like if you're trying to if you're trying to pregame and stuff like you know or tailgate and stuff like that 
you're going to hold a beer and it's going to be frozen within two minutes. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's going to, we're talking about like a zero degree weather type of situation uh, with wind that puts it at a wind chill of, you know, of negative. It's, it's looking like negative 30 now, Um, which I, it begs the question to me uh, how, listen, I, I don't care about the Dolphins players. Uh, they're 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 big boys. They can they can handle it, and they got millions of dollars worth of equipment management to help them get through this. Right? Yes. I don't care about the players. And in fact, we'll talk about the cold weather pro- and the way that it could it could s- sort of equalize things in our favor a little bit. But um, no, it's the fans, man. I just don't understand how the NFL is gonna is going to opt for the night game to make this even worse and then keep it there. You know, that's just, it seems like lawsuits waiting to happen. And I know everybody just comes right back on the tool. Oh, if, if they don't want to take the risk, they shouldn't show up. Yeah. But, but at the same time, if the NFL has dead people in their stands, um, <laughs> then it's probably bad for business. Yeah. You know, final, so, score, final score, 20, 19, Miami casualties, 147. <laughs> Yeah, I, seriously, you you come out of you come out of there, and people people are getting frostbite, bite, or people are you know some kind of incident because it's just too cold, and the NFL the NFL you know opted for the night game game because of the because of the broadcasting and ratings and stuff like that, and then they didn't move it, um, you know when as the weather as the weather progressively the forecast has gotten worse and worse this week um yeah okay that's a choice but yeah hey let's go for it <laughs> you know is, i'm gonna be sitting at home i'm gonna be warm so you know that's cool but uh yeah, yeah. Poor right, Simon, this, though. he better yeah. have some cayenne pepper in his shoes he yes. better have that cardboard trick yeah you know i wonder if he's gonna put some you know vaseline on various <laughs> extremities he should. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this is going to be something. As always, this show is brought to you by Factor Meals. We have a dedicated page over at factormeals.com, and you can go to factormeals.com forward slash three yards per carry five zero. That's the number three yards per carry five zero. And use the same promo code three yards per carry five zero. Remember the number three yards per carry five zero, and you get 50% off your first order. And as always, prize picks. Go to prizepicks.com forward slash three yards. That's the number three yards, and use the promo code three yards you deposit $100 you get $100 it's as easy as that as always betteredge.com forward slash five reasons you get $20 just for signing up head on over over there and of course black coral rum a rum that is distinctly Florida I might be drinking some of that okay soon Uh, Uh, that's that's an old remedy for a cold I don't know I think it's a bunch of quackery but I remember my grandmother telling me get a little rum with a little ice and some lime and that'll help you get over a cold like that's some witchcraft type of crap right like you know that's 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 some witchcraft right there i agree that's <laughs> I, I don't know i don't know nothing about that uh you know I'm, that's just old people from the old country talking shit right you know what witchcraft i prefer uh antibiotics <laughs> <laughs> yeah that works too right yeah uh we will start with another sponsor i'm not allowed the i'm not at liberty to say because their ads officially go on the air on monday we'll talk about it then but we'll give you a a brief 
a brief preview. Diet Smoke, people. Diet Smoke. Go to dietsmoke.com and use the promo code WADDLE. And there's, there's a discount to be had. Okay. But we'll tell you more about it on Monday. All right. Let's get this, this show on the road. We're going to start when the Dolphins are on defense. On Monday, had they lined up in their, in their, in their 50 front, they literally would not have had anybody standing on the edge. Chris? Yeah. Same. Not a one. Nobody. Essentially nobody. There was nobody on the roster to stand. Well, I guess Melvin Ingram counts. <laughs> okay? So he'd been all alone, and there would have been nobody standing on the other side. Well, now they got Bruce Irvin and Justin Houston, who will both be available. Look, Justin Houston played this year. I don't know what Bruce Irvin could give them the, this year. Uh, Justin Houston played this year. He's a year removed, meaning last year. He had nine and a half sacks. He was a really effective player for the Ravens. He's a good player. He was in a bad... Look, he's an older guy that found himself in Carolina. Who the hell wants to play in that dumpster fire? You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? You just came from a team that was in the playoffs with the with the Ravens, you know? you know. Yep. Then you chased a couple of dollars, and it didn't work out in Carolina, and now you're you're stuck in purgatory. This is another lease on life, I think, at least for this season. I think Justin Houston could be effective. You know, it's just one game. But if if he plays 40 snaps, I'll believe it. Like, I think he can. He played the season. He's in playing shape. Uh, your thoughts on the acquisitions? I think that it's a, it's a solid acquisition. I think we've learned a little bit um, from the uh, Jason Pierre-Paul acquisition. They, um, they, they went ahead and got him and and I, I didn't think I thought they would use him the way that, you know, he's been used in his career, uh, but they really didn't. They 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 opted for, um, you know, I don't know if it's I, I don't want to call it stubbornness at this point, but whatever it is, uh, they needed an outside linebacker that could play with his hand off the ground and be in space. And that's not really Jason Pierre Paul's game. I thought that Jason Pierre Paul was going to be there. To uh, to help a little bit with the run defense and be a uh, a, a nice uh, edge setter, um, show some frame and strength on that uh, out there, and, and once in a while be able to show some pass rush skills. Maybe not in pass rush uh, rush situations, specialist type of situations. Um, that didn't work out. I don't know if that was just because he didn't he ended up not being a fit, or if the the personality was just not a fit for the Dolphins. Uh, they went with Melvin Ingram. I think that's a better fit for the outside linebacker uh, role that they have in mind. Um, so given that. And and to be fair, guy, I talked about this all year. Melvin Ingram is he's very well liked. And there's something yeah. to be said about a guy that, you know, you know, people just like he walks into the building. Everybody likes him. Two is a friend of his. OK, let's let's just mm-hmm. leave it at that. Uh, so, yeah, you know, Melvin Ingram was a no brainer from like day one, really. Yeah, and I think that um, I think that Justin Houston fits in that in that in that mold very well. I think the Malik Reed fits uh, fits in that role. They uh, mold. They uh, they signed him to the practice squad, um, and you know I think that's a that's a solid signing as well. Bruce Irvin, um, you know I think of I think of as being more of a pure pass rusher. I you know I, I think that there could come a time when you need. Um, you're in a situation. You're in a, a, a certain situation where 
you know, you know, you need to pin your ears back and, and go after Pat Mahomes. And, uh, and maybe that's where, where Bruce Irvin comes in. Um, because that's been my, you know, perception of what he can really do for you, uh, throughout his career. Um, so yeah, they're, they're, they definitely, they definitely picked up some, some players that, uh, that, can do different things and maybe you plug them into different situations. Uh, I, I think Justin Houston is clearly the best of them. Um, and hopefully, you know, he's, he's such a veteran. He's, he's so well experienced and been around in a lot of different uh, systems um, that I hope he can pick it up very quickly. Yeah. I have no doubt that, that he will. There, there's certain, and like I said, there's, there's certain fronts that Miami plays where it's, it could be as simple as, one of our guys, like whoever's the green dot, you know, if it's David Long, if it's Duke Riley, just tells them, hey, uh, you rush the passer, you got the flat here. That's it, you know? Mm-hmm. It, it's a, It could be something as simple as that. Uh, last time that we played the the Kansas City Chiefs, first of all, it's going to be different because the weather's different, okay? They were in a climate-controlled environment last time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. As far as injuries on the, the Chiefs offense, we're going to deal with the other side of the ball in the second half of the show. On the Chiefs' offense, they're going to be missing their 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 swing tackle, Wenya Morris. Donovan Smith showed up on the injury report this week, but you got to assume he's going to play. One big difference on that offense, Rasheed Rice is, although he did have a touchdown against Miami, Rasheed Rice is a bigger part of that offense uh-huh. this time around, but not much has changed. That offense is still not good. Uh, where's the focus again, or is it just run it back? because there's not much else to look at re- over here, right? It's just... You mean where is Miami's focus? Yeah, on that on that Chiefs offense. Like, just well, I think, I think run it back, right? You have to, you have to give it... This is, this is not going to be um, just cold weather. This is going to be extreme weather. This is yes. one of the more extreme games that the, uh, the NFL has, ever, um, has ever, ever suited players up to play. Um, and that's just being honest about it. Um, so this is, this is not a game where necessarily, I think you, you game plan the same way that you normally would. Um, I think that you go into this, this game sort of game planning for, um, you know, that you're not going to get beat by Isaiah Pacheco, right. Um, that you're not going to get beat by the ground game. Uh, by the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, if if Patrick Mahomes is going to have, and especially uh, with respect to Patrick Mahomes is running, um, if Patrick Mahomes is going to have a vintage performance in some of the most extreme conditions that you know we've seen played in, um, then so be it. You know, that's, that, that's, that, that has to be the mentality. That has to be the mindset you're, but you can't, you can't let the running backs of the chiefs um, get going and make things easy and, uh, and hold on to the ball and, you know, play ball control, play field position and, um, and stuff like that. I think that, I think that you have to shut that down. I think that you have to throw run blitzes in there. Um, I think that you have to you have to be uh, very aggressive in stopping in stopping the the running backs. Miami was really really successful last time, uh, essentially just crowding Travis Kelsey 
And they were crowding. They weren't necessarily using some of their better defenders. They were just use, they were using interior linebackers. Sometimes mm-hmm. they were, they were even using defensive tackles that they were dropping into short zones uh, against Travis Kelsey. Uh, he's taken a, a noticeable step back. It's understandable at his age. He's eventually going to slow down, but he's he should figure in this game. Like everybody within a twenty yard box of the line of scrimmage should figure in this game much more than everybody outside of the numbers, I would say, or the numbers to, or what they call the, the, that perimeter line. Uh, for, I, I, I always forget the name of it. That red line they draw on the, on the practice field. Uh, mm. I, you know what I'm talking about? So I think it's going to figure the entire game is going to figure inside of there. So Travis Kelsey, yes, you stopped him the 14 yards and three receptions last time. He's going to figure more prominently this time than last, I would say. Well, he will, but in particular, in particular because um, of the, uh, you know, uh, his ability after the catch. Um, so, yeah, he, I'm mean, listen, this is cold weather. You're not going to be able to feel your hands. Um, the ball's going to be harder I, than usual. The ball is going to be very hard. Uh, big targets, big targets with big hands, you know, that, that, that can be reliable, um, catching the ball are going to be, you know, at a premium here. So, you know, if there's, if there's a number two to, to the, the ground game, number one, uh, it definitely has to be Kelsey. And, and that's uh, because of the way the season has played out for the chiefs. That's a duh, that's a very duh statement. You know, I know that everybody just number one needs to knock out Kelsey to make um, Mahomes uncomfortable. Um, But in this game, they're going to try and get him the ball and let him bowl people over because the physicality is something that in this weather, in this cold, eventually you're that physical guys are going to be falling off tackles. I think um, if you're, if you're not careful. And that's where Travis Kelsey could really uh, start to hurt you and make some key plays in the game. Some, some ones that are just very big in the moment. Now, last time that they, they played, um, you know, they were missing a few players, but on defense, they were pretty much intact. They're not this time, but the framework is still kind of there. You don't really fear their wide receiver threats or, or lack thereof. Uh, Rashi Rice, again, is a bigger factor out of the slot, uh, although they're using him in the perimeter as well. So I th- I think he's going to figure some, and I think Jalen Ramsey might even be called upon for some shadow duty, and not not necessarily that he's going to travel with him, but uh, I guess on by formation, he could call the numbers to base, to stay on Rashi Rice. But that game in, in Frankfurt was was strange in one respect. Our our edge rushers did okay, could have done better, but it was a serious struggle up the middle. And in Joe Tooney, Creed Humphrey, Trey Smith, you have, in my opinion, the best interior offensive line in the NFL, better than the Eagles because the Eagles have had really unsettled situation at right guard. And with Trey Smith, they're kind of settled there. And Zach Sealer and Christian Wilkins, in my opinion, you have the best defensive tackle tandem in the NFL. 
Could it be just as simple as last game? It was a serious tug of war, a 50-50 battle. But this time you win that battle and they'll carry you to victory. Those two guys, Zach Sealer, Christian Wilkins. It's going to be really difficult for them to do that in this game without the uh, the help from the edges um, that they that that we're that we were able to give them, you know, when we had edge players that were healthy and um, and and really talented, and uh, and now I think that you even saw some of it when um, Armageddon was happening. Ed, edge edge rush Armageddon was happening uh, in the last game, uh, where Miami just had edge rusher edge player after edge player go down. Um, you started to see that, you know, the, the pass rush had to come from somewhere. You started to see, I think, um, maybe Christian Wilkins and Zach Sealer press a little bit more. Maybe Vic Fangio start to blitz in, um, in, in ways that he didn't want to anymore. And, um, and so it's going to be, it's going to be hard. Yeah. They're going to have to have a dominant game and that's part of shutting down the, the chiefs ground game. Um, it's, probably part of getting after Patrick Mahomes as well. Um, I think that you listen if Pat Mahomes wants to end up scrambling uh, and, and running for yardage uh, a bunch of times in this game and get tackled onto that cold dirt. That's going to feel like concrete, um, you know, it with, with a hard ball, like sticking into his ribs and, and, and everything like, if he wants to do that a bunch, um, you know, maybe that's something that you can kind of accept in this game. Uh, I, th- I think I wonder. Um, and so that's why I'm, I'm, I'm tempted to, uh, to, to put it on him to be, you know, put it on him to be Pat Mahomes, <laughs> you know, um, and, and see, see if he can do that in minus 30 degree wind chill. I don't know. Uh, last thing before we go to break, you take your chances and you could send blitzes in this game, right? You're not necessarily worried about the chunk play or you just well, leave, and, it, and leave it to chance. Well, and that depends. That depends on the player. Um, first, yes. Uh, in fact, I'm, I'm tempted in, in film study. I was tempted to say, you know, shit, I'd like to rehire Josh Boyer and uh, and, and execute one of those games you know, in this, um, in this scenario. Um, so yeah, I, I, I agree with you in the main. Um, what I will say though, is that the defensive players, if they find themselves out of position against a fast player like Rasheed Rice, um, you'd be surprised how slow some of those defensive players are going to look when they have to react, change directions and, and try and track a guy down or keep pace. Um, it's in this, in this kind of cold. Uh, I think if you go back and watch um, the 2007 AF NFC championship game between the giants and the Packers, this was at green Bay and this was this weather. I mean, it it was this weather, basically. Um, maybe a little. This one might. I, I don't know. We'll see how it plays out Saturday night. But th- this one might even be a little bit worse. But um, but it was this kind of weather. You know, there's some moments there that that you're watching the the Giants um, defensive players 
that should be fast enough. And it's like, they can't, they can't go catch Donald driver who was, I don't know. He's he, old, old as hell when he, when he play, played that game, you know, yeah. and he, it was never a speedster to begin with. Right. And, um, and so, you know, you, you do have to watch out if you get in, if you get out of position, a guy gets, you know, the angle behind you. But that's also, I mean, we're going to talk about it after break, but that's also where Miami can make a difference. So, you know, we'll see. All right, we're going to go to break. And when we, ta- when we come back, we will talk about when the Dolphins have the ball. But first, these words. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation? where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Are you a South Florida property owner with an insurance claim? Are you dealing with water, mold, or fire damage to your home or business? Are you having trouble locating a five-star rated general contractor that is fully licensed, certified, and insured? If the answer is yes, then Water Cleanup of Florida is here for you 24 hours a day. With over 60 years of combined experience, Michael, Robert, Jorge, and their team is prepared to handle any size property damage disaster. When an unexpected damage occurs to your home or business, you need specialized, fast, and reliable services. Water Cleanup of Florida understands the impact and stress an unexpected disaster may cause. Their objective is to make the cleanup and insurance claim process painless and hassle-free. Water Cleanup of Florida is also a licensed general contractor, so they provide the A to Z service, one-stop shopping that business homeowners and business owners require. Water Cleanup of Florida is now an authorized dealer of Eurocraft cabinets, so premier kitchen, bath, and laundry cabinetry, countertops, and other accessories are available for your viewing at their showroom in Boca Raton. Or, do you prefer to shop from your home or office? 
then Water Cleanup will send you one of our design specialists to you with samples and products that fit your style and budget. Call Michael anytime on his personal cell phone if you have any questions at 954-579-0356. That's 954-579-0356. Or visit their website at wcufl.com. You can follow them on Facebook and Instagram. And please check out their more than 80 five-star reviews on Google and Facebook. Water Cleanup of Florida. If you have the schmutz, they have the guts. I'm Jalen Phillips, and you're listening to Three Yards Per Carry. And we're back. Chris, I've been watching that first game over and over again, or which is to say I've been watching a lot of the offensive snaps over and over again to try to see what went wrong, what was missing. One thing I got from it, and that Chiefs defense was healthier back then at that time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, didn't have any of the warts that it developed since then. Mainly, uh, now they have the reputation that they don't stop the run. Like, that's their reputation. Uh, fair mm-hmm. or not, they earned it at home when the Raiders just ran up and down the field on them with somebody called Zaire. What I watch, when I watch that game, I see that the Dolphins' run actions were giving them so many opportunities. And I'll tell you why. They were they, they were running their their run action their their run actions and the Chiefs linebackers were so intent and worried about getting depth that they were bailing almost at the point of the mesh. They weren't even letting they weren't even letting the handoff even go through. Like they, they weren't even they were just out of like they were shot out of a cannon that was leaving the flats wide open. Tua didn't take it, didn't take it all game. Kept trying to hit those glance routes, try to hit those digs. Mm-hmm. And the Chiefs, I think it was a flaw in their system. I think it was, uh, it was part. I, I had to be by design because those guys were just bailing. Like it, it made no sense. Like you don't know if that guy has the ball. You don't know if Raheem Mostert has the ball. By the way, Devon A. Chan did not play in that first game. So yeah, you don't. You don't know if Raheem Mostert has the ball or not. I don't give a crap. I'm Drew Twank, Tranquil, and I'm I'm headed 15, 20 yards downfield trying to take away this glance route. Those flats were wide open. And you would think the Chiefs, because they do have a lot of nice players at the linebacking position, that they could cover the flats. But those run actions for Miami have been money. There were money against the Chiefs. I think you got to start there. That passing game to the flats, to your running backs, has to be how you build out your passing game, right? Yes, and and particularly because I, well, I actually I'm tempted to say what passing game. Um, so I think that I think that in this kind of weather, and I hate to keep harping on it, and you know, like people are gonna um, like I'm acting like it's an apocalypse out there. It is going to be one of the more extreme weather games that you've seen the NFL played. Um, it's not necessarily because it's going to be three feet of snow. It's, it's just, you know, it's that cold. Uh, and I think that you get punished in a game like this for your lack of humility. You get punished in a game like this when, you know, when you, you decide that you're going to throw the ball all over the yard um, and, and catch it. And your wide receivers are going to catch it with hands that they can't feel a ball that feels like a concrete, you know, a concrete rock. Um, and, and you, 
you're going to ask these guys with their cold muscles to to start adjusting to passes in the air and and to uh to hit you know really really tight timing windows and stuff like that yeah i don't know about it i don't know about it Uh, it's this is one of those games where i'm tempted to say that if we have more than 10 pass attempts in the game then we had too much um and and i i know that sounds extreme but i say that because bottom line is when tyree kill and jalen waddle line up steve spagnolo has no choice but to respect them he really has no choice he is up between a rock and a hard place because he coached that NFC championship game uh, for the Giants going into Green Bay, who was 13 and three and, you know, heavily favored. And the Giants were a wild card team and and the Giants ended up winning and going to the Super Bowl and then upsetting the Patriots. And we said, you know, we see, saw all that he, he was the defensive coordinator of the Giants and, and he coached his guys to stop Ryan Grant, the the Packers running running back at all costs, and and you know let Brett Favre try and win this game in this sub zero element, um and and he couldn't and he really and people think that Brett Favre is a you know this great cold weather quarterback but actually Eli Manning was a lot better, um so you know he's he's caught between a rock and a hard place because I think he he knows that you got to stop Miami's run running game, right? But he has no choice when you're lined up across the field from Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle because he knows what they can do and he knows what Tua can do by throwing a very catchable ball. You know, this isn't going to be necessarily uh snowy weather and where the ball is just going to be out of control so much. It's, it's it's different but like you know it, he throws a very catchable ball and it's not going to break any shatter anybody's fingers um so you know he has to respect that and because he has to respect that because he has to respect that he's going to ha- there's going to be situations where those linebackers are going to be running to their landmarks deep again and there's going to be safeties back and and Miami has a real opportunity here to break tendencies and this is that's going to be key in this game because I think the Chiefs defense, if you really look at it, they keyed on a lot of tendencies in that game successfully. And um, and so you, Mike McDaniel has a chance to break tendencies to do what he's best at, which is what he has a background in as a run game coordinator to poke and prod at different areas of the run fit, because without extra help from the secondary the, the Chiefs' front seven players are going to have to overplay areas of the run fit. They're going to have to overplay the front side, or they're going to have to make sure they stay home on the uh, on the back side for for you know reverses and and jets and uh, and or just you know cutbacks reverse field with fast players like Achan and and Raheem Mostert. Uh, they're going to and and then you know Mike McDaniel can hit them right up the middle after, when when they're playing the front side and they're playing the back side, you know, he's good at hitting them in every area of the run fit and just keeping on poking and prodding and even laying down play calls so that he can call another one two quarters later, you know, that's really going to hit them. And then with this kind of speed that you have with Mostert and Achan, you know, you hit one and it's a 70 yard. Um, 
and that's another thing about this, what I mentioned earlier in the show, defensive players are not going to be able to react in space as well and as sharply. Uh, they're not going to be able to accelerate and track players down uh, as well. And so, um, so I think that uh, I think that Miami has an opportunity if they if they can accept, you know, with humility that they're going to dominate this game with 300 yards on the ground. Then they can um, then they can they can possibly do this. They can possibly do it. Now, every Wednesday, our quarterback, Tua Tungvaloa, speaks to the the media and. For the most part, you know, some of it is boilerplate stuff. You know, it's run-of-the-mill QB speak. But every once in a while, he re- he reveals something, okay? And this past this past Wednesday, he kind of revealed that when they played the Chiefs the last time, and he used the word timing and zero, and it seemed to me like he was alluding to if he just knew, if he just saw it coming, meaning when he knew when the Chiefs were going zero, they could hit a big play. I went back and looked at some of these sub-zero games. All of them feature pretty much a lot of ball control offense, a lot of running, you know, run-run, pass-punt. Mm-hmm. But you know what some of them do feature? The big chunk. Yeah, a lot of, yeah, yeah. So if, if there's one of the two teams is more likely to get the big chunk play, I think it will be Miami. Do you think Miami should, should be hunting that situation with Spagnolo and trying to get into that situation where they can have the right play call on against one of those zeros because it's on tape. My God, there, there was so much yardage. There was touchdowns left on the board against that zero blitz, but something always happened, <laughs> including in the well, final you know, play that's... with the bad snap where that glance route to a hits Waddle. Waddle walks in for the touchdown right there. Oh yeah. Yeah. That was a, that was a zero. Um, one of several in the game, uh, and and yeah, they they had. The, this is the enticing thing about zeros. On tape, it's it's like every time you know, like like you come back, you, you come back from a party, and you think of a situation, and you know what you should have said. Yes, you know, <laughs> uh, zeros are always like that. Yeah, I, I always, always remember that. I always remember that. Yeah. Like you know, you know, I, it's five o'clock in the morning. I'm at the Denny's. You know what I mean? I'm having mm-hmm. my I'm having my pancakes, and I'm like. You know, I think I came off like a complete asshole. <laughs> yeah, I know what I should have said. I should have said, you know, it's a George Costanza thing. You know, like yes. I, what I what I should have said was, but um, and zeros are always like that. It is the nature of them, and and so you know, yeah, you're always going to have the regrets. And that play, that two is two has probably got it stuck in his head. That bad snap play, where he, you know, he could have handled that snap. There's no doubt. It was. There's no doubt two things of two things one it was a bad snap some people try to say it wasn't even a bad snap that's just ridiculous um of course it was a bad snap two uh Tua still could have handled it you know but he was he was trying to to hit the zero you know and he was trying to do it the best way he knows how which is to you know to drift into a into a safe space in the pocket against the zero just long enough to hit that guy, you know, on a glance in off man coverage with no help three way go, you know, it's, it's really, um, you can remember the tank play that, uh, from 2020 from COVID yeah. year. Yes. We put it on a t-shirt. Yeah. I remember. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We put it on a t-shirt. Um, 
you know, that's, that's zero. That's, that's what it can do if you're able to, to drift and buy just enough time and, and hit it right. I, I'm not sure if, you know, planning for that is going to be the way to go, even though I could see the Chiefs going into it if they feel like they've got the right situational call, you know? Um, and it, so we'll see. We'll see. But I, I, I actually would use zeros against Mahomes here. Um, that's what I was alluding to before. I was like, you know, I'm tempted to call up Josh Boyer and have him be, have him, have him help out, you know, be a special play caller for us at times. Um, you know, because, because I think that we could use some of those against Pat Mahomes, but, uh, I don't know if we're going to beat them, uh, ourselves, the, the weather, the, the cold is just going to make some funny things happen. So, um, you know, don't get too cute. Don't. You know, the 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 cold weather is going to punish the team that tries to do too much. And and I guess between Miami and Kansas City, we're going to see which team that is. Yeah, Chris. And I don't want to be one of these these assholes that talks about Mike McDaniel being on the on the hot seat, because that's just come on. The, the guy got here, promised you a good offense, gave you a top five offense, then gave you the number one offense. All of this, you know, okay, they suck against uh, good teams. Okay, great. All right. All right. His record is what it is. He's been to the playoffs two years in a row. Having said all that, I'm a Mike McDaniel backer. I think we're all Mike McDaniel backers on this show. Does he have a signature win? Does he have a signature game plan? Because I can't think of one. One that I that I kind of want to say, yeah, that was it. The game in Buffalo last year, you know, 22 degrees, snow flurries. Tua plays very, very well. That offense looked like it was humming. They blow a nine-point lead late in the fourth quarter. Uh, he keeps alluding to it that, you know, he thought his team played well and that circumstances caught up with them. Does Mike McDaniel have a signature game plan, a signature game he can point to? And is this one the opportunity? Uh does he have a signature game to point to? I mean, yeah. Yeah. And I think that, unfortunately, I think that we're, we're so caught up in sometimes in, um, in narratives about, uh, you know, beating the good team. First off the team, the team that beats the good teams during the regular season gets the same amount of wins and losses from those games as the team that beats the bad teams during the regular season. I, you know, and, and this is, this is unfortunately this thing that people are, are really obsessive about and there's really no relationship, predictive relationship um, about the wins against winning teams and what, you know, what that means for a team in the playoffs and stuff like that. I mean, people can say that there is, but it's just facts. Um, so I think that, uh, I think that we're caught up in the, the obvious, you know, signature is, uh, looking at a game like that Denver game where we dropped 70 on them with this new wave offense. I mean, that's, that's his signature. This is, this is an offensive branded team. I thought that they could have been a defensive branded team and injuries had other ideas. <laughs> um, 
you know, so so that's it's not a defensive branded team anymore. Uh, it's an offensive branded team, and uh, going up and putting up a, a Hall of Fame. I mean, it's the game is actually uh, in displayed in the Hall of Fame because mm-hmm. it's one of the best offensive performances of all time. Um, so yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a signature whether you like it or not. It's not going to be good enough for some people, but um, he has only been here two years. This is his second time being in the playoffs. Uh, you know, the first time they were in the playoffs with a rookie Skylar Thompson late round pick at quarterback. I mean, there's there's only so much you can do there. Um, so this could be if you're saying, could this be a signature win for Mike McDaniel? Uh, yes, it absolutely could. Um, I think that uh, if, if we're not talking about that Denver game, you know, I. I don't know about the the late Buffalo game. I, I think the Buffalo playoff game was as close to, you know, if we're not talking about people are going to say Denver was meaningless, whatever. I don't think that's true. But um, that game, that playoff game was as close to a signature as we're going to get or as we've gotten so far from Mike McDaniel because he did not have to attend the in the game. You know, and and there was absolutely no reason to expect that Miami could be competitive in that game. They were minutes away from from winning it. And at the end of the day, they didn't win it, you know, and part of the, the organization. And, and the tape were, and and by the way, the tape on that game is even more infuriating because oh. I really I really hate to be the guy that says, oh, we had this guy. We had that guy. We had the other guy. We'd win if mm-hmm. Miami had Tua Tungvaluwa in that playoff game. Oh, yeah. They win that game oh, yeah. easily. Easel. You know, and, and they almost, and the fact of the matter is they almost won it anyway with Skylar Thompson, you know, and that's what, that's part of what makes it such as a, a potentially signature uh, game for, for Mike McDaniel. And it always intrigued me that, that it came when it came, you know, um, that it came in the playoffs. It came in Buffalo. It came in in cold and conditions and with a quarterback that nobody expected Miami to be able to compete in this game and um and, and they they were minutes away from victory and at the end of the day you know yeah the play calling organization huddle you know all that stuff kind of broke down on them but yeah that was because they had a rookie Skylar Thompson trying to trying to handle that huddle in, in this offense, offense that, you know, that was first year in, in the offense and obviously didn't get very many. He didn't get a lot of reps, you know, meaningful reps in, um, in training camp when, when they're trying to get two up to speed, you know, and, um, and everything. So I think that that was damn near signature victory. It's just, you know, it didn't quite work out at the very end. Uh, but if they had hung on, then th- that's what you'd be talking about. You'd be you'd be talking about what what they did in Buffalo with Skylar Thompson at quarterback, and we'd be talking about it for years. Now, all the all the chirpers in in the media have begun already to question his his leadership style. Personally, I found it refreshing that on Hard Knocks he used the word fail, and he called losing essentially a championship game, an AFC East championship game, a failure. Mm-hmm. And this week, 
he is, again, I guess, putting a little bit more pressure on talking about winning that playoff game for the first time in 23 years or whatever it's been, 80, 86,000 years or whatever, yeah. since the since the Truman administration, whatever it's been. Yeah. He is putting an emphasis on this. I like it. I hate the coach that just tries to gloss over things and just say, ah, oh, you know, we did this, though. We did that. And then starts making excuses. No, I like a guy that sets out a goal, doesn't reach it, and say, and then tells his team, hey, I guess we failed. Now, how do we not fail? He's he's essentially mentioned it every single press conference this week. Winning a playoff game for the first time. We have an opportunity. Let's go win a playoff game for the first time in 23 years. It'll be meaningful. It'll be remembered. I'm completely with him. I like keeping this, this type of pressure on your team to handle it and man i go back to that do you remember that bengals that bengals playoff game against the the raiders a couple years ago do you remember that the wait which game are you talking about bengals at home in the wild card round against the raiders two years ago do you remember Uh, do you remember the circumstances around that game not really okay the the bengals had lost something like eight consecutive playoff games before then they had a 22-year, does it sound familiar, 22-year playoff win drought going into that game against the Raiders. They won that game, and it opened the floodgates. They go to the Super Bowl. They go to another run at the AFC Championship game the following year. Mm. I think sometimes things like this are just an obstacle, a mental obstacle. And if you win this game, it really can open the floodgates here for the next two or three years. Do you tend to agree? I, I can't really speak to it. Actually, you know, I, I, I'm i going to wait and see here. You know, as far as Mike McDaniel's leadership style goes, give me a break. Um, you know, I, I don't, I think, I think we're beyond this. I think that the testimonials from the players show that this is a guy that they tend to believe in because he's a guy that believes in them. And, you know, his formula of, of believing in the players, but also, you know, Hey coaches, we're here to make sure that these players in their very short careers can do the absolute best that they can do. We're here to put them in the best position. We're here to serve them essentially. Um, I think that formula works. I think it's fine. It's authentic. It's him. It's, it's going to be here for years. And frankly, I don't think it's even that productive to talk about it. Um, I do wonder, on the other hand, where this team's head is at after that failure. Uh, you know, I wonder if they put so much on that goal, that that game, um, that you know, two two straight two straight heartbreakers. Well, I mean, the, the Ravens game wasn't a heartbreaker; it was an everything breaker. Um, but. You know, two games like that. By the way, I, I just looked it up. I, uh, I hate to interrupt you, but just looked it up. That Bengals playoff drought I was talking to you about that they broke by beating the Raiders. 31 years. Well, uh, hopefully the, the Dolphins do the same. But I, 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 I'm I, not sure where this team's head is at, uh, to be honest, after after what they did, um, you know, after what they did in the last couple of games. I don't know if it's... If it's more or less, you know, we don't know what's happening now. We don't know why we can't win and, you know, these games and 
and the season we failed our goal. The season is over. Yeah, we get to play one more game, but you know, I, I'm not sure. I, I could see it going either way. You know, I, I could see the Dolphins coming in really riled up the way that they did against the Bills in Buffalo last year. Um, but I could also see them just there to play one more game. And and I think that if they are there to just play one more game, you have to chalk that up to excess an excess in expectations that really didn't withstand the trials um, of a season, you know, when you, when you, when things don't go your way Um, and, and sort of like the, the fact that things didn't go their way are so jarring to them that it's just like, there's, you know, there could be a give up there. Um, But that said, that's not what happened last year in the uh, in the Buffalo in the playoffs. So we're we're gonna find out, and I think that there's this there's a good chance not, not a not a better than fifty percent chance, but there's a there's a chance we go out there and Achan is out there looking like Ricky Williams in two thousand two in that Buffalo game. You know. Um, do you know the story behind that that game of Ricky well, Williams? I know, yeah, I know, I know several about that game, but not, but there's a good chance that there's a fair chance anyway that between uh, Achan and Mostert that they're out there just taking over, and the Kansas City Chiefs defense can't keep up with them, and that's what I'm banking on. That's you know uh, there could be a big play from Tyreek Hill. God knows he's got the speed for it. And like I said, defenses are going to have time or have defensive players are going to have a little bit of trouble reacting in space sometimes. But um, but yeah, there's there's a fair chance that Devon Achan just has an absolute stunner of a performance uh, or Raheem Mostert because he's done it in the past too in the playoffs. All right. Uh, we've come to that that moment. All right, I'm going to go first. I've I've already been on Kansas City's uh, sports, so I've made my prediction. So, you know, it'll sound weird if I start, you know, changing it. I think we're in for for some epic shits. It's <laughs> Saturday night, all right. Uh, I think you're going to see some improvisation from Patrick Mahomes. They will find a way to get some offense. I've heard some people say that the over is going to be threatened. I don't see how it will. Okay. But I think Miami's going to find some offense, and the game is going to look a little more normal than usual. And I think that they eke it out with a Jason Sanders field goal, 20-19. to And they win their first playoff game in 23 years. What say you, Chris? I think that the chances are better than they have a right to, based on the way things ended up uh, at the end of the season. This was not... I don't. I don't think this was an epic collapse at the end of the season, except for a roster collapse. You know, I think the the win the win column. We've seen much worse win column collapses than what happened to the Dolphins this year. And if you and if you don't think so, then you haven't been a Dolphins fan very long. Um, but the roster collapse in terms of injuries is. I, I mean, now Javon Holland and Deshaun Elliott might not play. Both of them. Both safeties. We've already lost so much. We're putting out their guys, 
you know, half of the defense are guys that, you know, weren't even here. Um, I think that's too much. I question where their head is at. I question whether these defenders are going to be uh, defensive players are going to be well-coordinated. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, this at the end of the day, you, there's a certain step back and see if what you're saying makes any sense. And um, and I'm not sure that it makes a lot of sense for Miami to be stepping into Kansas City's field in a frigid game where Miami is well reputed over the decades of not being able to play very well um, in these types of games. And uh, and and this is their home field. And the Kansas City Chiefs are the defending Super Bowl champions. And they're not nearly as beleaguered by injuries as Miami is. And so, um, so I think that the the only part I agree with you is that um, is that we could see some offense here, even though it's um, even though it's you know terrible conditions and whatnot, terrible cold. Um, but I think that that offense is going to come on the ground. I think Pacheco could could end up, you know, Pacheco and and Kelsey could end up bullying some people physically. Um, and it could it could look not pretty for Miami's defense. The only question for me is, can the offense match it by just really unhorsing Raheem or Mostert and um, and and Devon Achan? And until they do that, I'm going to assume that it doesn't happen. So I think that the uh, the Kansas City Chiefs could end up beating us something like 27 to 13 in this one. All right, and on that somber note, we'll end right there. If you want to become a member of our Discord where you could interact with us or interact with thousands of other like-minded Dolphin fans, you can go to discord.gg forward slash OnlyFans and you could join there for just $3 a month. All right, hopefully the next time we talk to you, we still have our third co-host. And we're talking about a divisional round playoff game. And depending on what happens this this weekend it'll either be one of three places more likely baltimore if the bills can manage to beat the steelers which there's some doubt there i think or it'll be in houston or in cleveland they'll be on the road no matter what next week but we will talk to you with those results in hand on monday see you then Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Carry. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider.